The sports pan lives here on ESPN-UP and online with our app, Tanner Hoops in studio with you. Thanks for hanging out with us in your Thursday afternoon, mid-January. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette is in studio with us. He's fresh off his shootout victory. Kicked my butt last night yes. on his show. Thanks for being here again, man. Always good seeing you. Yeah, you know, thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming out of the sports zone. Um, I had fun. It, it was fun. It was a losing effort. Yeah, I mean, it was close, though. Mm-hmm. It was really close. Um, first one of the season for me. If you haven't had a chance to check out the sports zone, it airs every Wednesday at 7.30. Tanner came on uh, yesterday night, and we did a little shootout. He'll probably be on uh, later on. Towards the postseason, maybe we can talk a little Marquette County basketball. Um, but yeah, check it out, man. Selfless plug right there. But um, it's just a good time. We got you covered from everything from high school girls and boys basketball. So yeah, keeping you covered here in the sports pen as well as we gear up for championship weekend in the NFL. Yes, I'm excited, man. These might be the four best teams that have been in a Final Four for the NFL in a long time. A lot of people are saying this is the best Final Four in the NFL, at least in this generation. It's hard to argue with them. So I'm looking forward to this weekend wholeheartedly. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at all the teams, I mean, if you, you're a fan of offense, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, every team here is is a top offense, can score the ball pretty much at will when they're on. Um, but I feel like both, uh, you know, the AFC and NFC games could go either way. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not a clear-cut favorite. Um, it's going to come down to, to final plays. I think they're both going to be pretty close games. I think we can see two shootouts, and, uh, you know, that's the way the NFL is going. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. I like seeing a lot of scoring. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping uh, both games are good, and, and I'm kind of hoping, you know, I think a majority of people out there can, can agree we're rooting for the Chiefs yes, to overtake are. the Patriots. Nothing against the Patriots. Obviously, I'm a uni- University of Michigan fan. I'm a Tom Brady fan. Mm-hmm. But um, I would love to see somebody in there, just somebody new, somebody new. And on the NFC, man, the Saints or Rams would be fun to watch. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm open to seeing either of those teams move on as well. I think it'll be New England and New Orleans, but I'm hoping it's another Chiefs-Rams shootout, this time in the Super Bowl. But New England's in a spot they're not often in. The latest odds have New England with the lowest of the four remaining teams, a spot they haven't been in very many times, if at all, throughout their career. Kansas City has the top chance to win, according to the power index, at 34%. New Orleans is 33 Then the Rams with 18 New England with 15 So Tom Brady came out with that video, man. There's, he, It's like he's taking on us against the world, and they kind of are. But the Patriots is underdogs. Like, Tom Brady's not this guy that... We're all doubting he's had to fight against the world his entire time. I mean, he's had a ton of success, but he's embracing the underdog really well and maybe milking it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, whatever you have to do to find a little bit of motivation, um, that's kind of surprising to me, honestly. Mm -hmm. I I think the Patriots, they're going to come in, obviously prepared under Bill Belichick. Uh, They know how to find the weaknesses of teams. you got, obviously, Tom Brady, who's been there multiple times over and over and over again. The moment won't be too big. Pat Mahomes, he's known to be turnover prone, and you don't know how, you know, just the pressure of the game might be for for a young guy like that. Obviously, he's a great player. Um, But it's hard to to imagine, you know, the Chiefs blowing out the Patriots. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to be the case. But it seems like around this time of the year, everyone kind of just forgets who New England is. And they're just one of those teams that play their best football in the postseason. I know they're going to come out with some sort of game plan. No one saw coming. You know, they're going to attack those weaknesses of that Chiefs defense, which is suspect. Mm-hmm. I think they, you know, they have a really big issue on that defensive side of the ball. If they can't get pressure, um, Tom Brady can really pick them apart. Um, so, that, you know, it's just surprising to me. But, but the Chiefs, if, when they're on and that offense is clicking... You know, they're hard to stop. So they're going to have to outscore the Patriots, obviously, to win the game. This isn't even the best version of the Patriots either. They were down a few running backs early on. Sony Michelle and James White have stepped up big time, but they've been injury prone at that spot. Obviously, there's uh, problems with keeping Rob Gronkowski healthy. You think how effective he would be if the guys in the lab weren't piecing him together. He's kind of a patchwork right now, just trying to stay on the field and stay healthy. And then, of course, if you put Josh Gordon still in the mix, I mean, are we even talking about the Patriots winning by less than two scores, if that's the case? I mean, they would might be multiple right. touchdown favorites. Yeah, I mean, if they were full strength, it's it's pretty scary to – to think but you know the Patriots do take chances on guys and we've seen it before um, them taking chances on guys and it not working out or them not being available in the postseason but um, we know we've seen it time and time again the Patriots just find guys they know what they're looking for when they draft when they sign free agents 
um, and, and they're coached really well. You know, it's a system thing there in New England. It's not, you know, we, we're going to rely on one player, and, and guys just buy in, and that's, and that's what separates the Patriots, you know. Um, there's something about going into New England, being in that uh, system, uh, you know, playing under Coach Bill Belichick in that organization where guys just become focused and, and they get the best versions of themselves. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty it's it's just crazy how they can just continually bring guys in, and it doesn't matter who it, who it is. Um, you know, they they get production out of out of no names for for the most part. I want to start with the coaches in the remaining NFL playoff picture. Andy Reid's legacy is very much on the line here in the later stages of his coaching career. Andy Reid is eighth all time in NFL coaching wins, but he's never won a Super Bowl. He's only been there once. He has won a Super Bowl as an assistant coach. He was the associate head coach under Mike Holmgren when the Packers beat the Patriots back in the 90s. But how are we going to remember Andy Reid when it's all said and done if he's always been a successful guy in the regular season, but he has a sub-500 playoff record with no Super Bowl championships? Are we going to remember him like Marty Schottenheimer, a guy who's top 10 in the NFL in all-time coaching wins but could never get it done in the postseason? I wonder, I want to ask you, is Andy Reid a Hall of Fame coach? If he were to step down right now without a Super Bowl, should we take Super Bowl rings into consideration when judging a coach for Hall of Fame honors? You know, I, I do believe he, he is a Hall of Fame coach um, just because of the way he revolutionizes the NFL. Obviously, if he could get a Super Bowl win this season, that would kind of cement that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... For being how old he is, and I know, you know, the trend right now in the NFL is getting these young, offensive-minded guys and things like that. But Andy Reid has always been one or two steps ahead of of the NFL trends. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the guy that's out there always trying to evolve and always trying to, um, you know, stay ahead of the curve and and know what's coming, what type of players um, the NFL is 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 kind of molding to and things like that you know um very unique offense they have right now um you know you see other teams mirroring that and things like that and and obviously like you said uh as a head coach hasn't really been able to get it done you know reached multiple nfc championship games in philadelphia reached that one super bowl um came over to kansas city really turned that franchise around um and 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 done it his own way and um you know like you said the chiefs They've always been a really good regular season team, but mm-hmm. they just can't get it done in the postseason. But um, I think just his overall resume, you know, being able to to say, you know, for the most part, you're going to be in the postseason and have a shot, um, and just just being able to do it in, in several different spots, even as an assistant and then as a head coach, and and kind of implement your systems and just stay above above the curve, above the trend. I think just you know his his mind for football is just is just unique, and I think you know he's done a lot for the NFL. I think he should be a Hall of Famer, um, even without the Super Bowl uh, win. I tend to agree with you. I don't know if the voters are gonna agree with us, but I agree with you because you said the word evolve, and that's perfect. That's what I wanted to hit on because Andy Reid evolves as football evolves. He's not been running the same system year in and year out, and very few coaches can get away with that. Belichick is maybe the one coach who is running the same offense that he was two decades ago. You look at some of those coaches, and they'll stick to their guns, but the game will evolve around them, and they won't change with it. I think of guys like Tom Coughlin, who won two Super Bowls, but then for the last two, three years before he stepped down, he was on the hot seat, and they get called old school. Andy Reid will never be called old school because he evolves as football evolves. The game's not played the same as it was 2010 and even five years ago with what you can do as far as hitting the quarterback and play defense. Andy Reid evolves his scheme to match the trend of the NFL. So in that sense, he's unique unlike any coach of our generation, maybe ever. When you look at some of the other guys in the top 10 of NFL all-time wins, John Madden is up there, Marty Schottenheimer's up there, Andy Reid, all three of them are top 10. John Madden only has one Super Bowl ring, and he doesn't have that many more wins than Marty Schottenheimer or Andy Reid, but that's enough to get him into the Hall of Fame. Marty Schottenheimer's not in the Hall of Fame. That Super Bowl ring carries so much weight when trying to get voted into the Hall of Fame. I'm concerned for Andy Reid that... If he doesn't get one before he retires, he's going to get left out. Not rightly so, but it would be a shame if it happened. Unfortunately, 
he might be one ring away. Two games this season from us talking about him as one of the greatest coaches ever. Or a guy who was a winner but couldn't get it done when it counted. Right, yeah, it seems to be he is right on that, that imaginary line um, to either making it or not, not making it in the Hall of Fame. Um, the good thing for Andy Reid is he has a very talented Chiefs team. Um, you know, he's he, he's in the obviously the the AFC Championship game. Um, it doesn't. He has a young quarterback who's an MVP candidate. Could very well win the MVP. I think mm-hmm. he has a, a very large window right now mm-hmm. um, with the Chiefs to get that that Super Bowl uh, win. Especially when you're talking about how you know Tom Brady's getting older and things like that. Um, you know, in the AFC, they seem to be ha- have the, the hold on on being the top team for the next several years. So I think um, when all said and done, I'll give Andy Reid a really good chance to win a Super Bowl with that Chiefs team. Um, will it be this year? It very well could be. But mm-hmm. um, I, I just feel like the way he switches up, you know, obviously the way his coaching style is and is able to just be successful, that just goes to show just how good of a teacher he is. Um, you know what I mean, and and being able to kind of take take game plans and and take ideas and theories and and teach it to to players, and I think you know he's the one of the best, if not one of the best. You know, right behind Bill Belichick is a guy who can you know uh, just kind of like like I said, evolve uh, his, his strategies and 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 try new things and and do it with success. So um, we're gonna see, I guess. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette in studio with us. We owe you our first time out coming up. Oklahoma has become quarterback you, but will that be their downfall? Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you Thursday afternoon. Thanks for hanging out with us. Oklahoma. They have a shiny new toy to work with. Jalen Hurts is transferring away from Alabama and did his time and played behind Tua Tagovailoa despite leading his team to the national title game a year before. He lost his starting spot and never got it back. Now he's on his way to Norman, Oklahoma, and he's going to be the new quarterback for Lincoln Riley. He is following two consecutive Heisman Trophy winners, Baker Mayfield two years ago, most recently Kyler Murray. Jalen Hurts could win the Heisman. I mean, that's a real possibility that Oklahoma could have three straight seasons with a different quarterback winning the Heisman Trophy. It's weird to think, but it's a real possibility. That's going to be fun for Lincoln Riley. But I almost wonder how much it's going to be worth it in the long run with Oklahoma's mini dynasty that they're going on right now. Hesitate to call them a dynasty because they haven't won a championship. They've just been perennially right there. When you look at how you're trying to recruit quarterbacks, is it in any way a deterrent knowing that you could be following potentially three straight Heisman Trophy winners? Is that a deterrent in any way to go to Oklahoma, especially with the sense that Lincoln Riley could be on the market or heading to the NFL a year from now? He may decide after Jalen Hurts, he's ready to move on to the NFL. Could this new recruit and this dynasty at quarterback that Oklahoma's put together could that hurt them in the recruiting process i definitely think it could i definitely think you're actually kind of seeing it right now um you know jalen hurts is going to come in there and have the fast track to the starting quarterback job i think the guy who's second in line is transferring out and he's doing it for a reason it's because um it just seems that each year you know lincoln riley great teacher great offensive mind if you're a quarterback coming out of high school you want to play for Lincoln Riley you know mm-hmm. he's going to make you look good obviously the track record is there with the Heisman trophies but every year he seems to be bringing in somebody else who's who has some experience and like you said um, consistency is huge for for young kids coming out of high school they want to be promised you know uh, a consistent coaching staff you know they want to be uh, you know welcomed and they want to be uh, I guess comforted knowing that mm-hmm. you know these guys are you're going to build these relationships with the coaches you know the systems aren't going to change you know you're going to learn the system and just become good and become the best player under that system but when you have so much turnover um, and possible turnover you know a kid could come in there and for his freshman year sit his freshman year then Lincoln Riley's gone then you got a new kid a new coach coming in who doesn't really know you wasn't recruiting you and then you know that relationship could struggle then you're transferring out and then there's this huge process you're trying to find out where to go it just most kids see themselves going to a school, 
becoming the starter and winning at the school and mm-hmm. being there for four years. Um, Jalen Hurts coming in, like you said, possibly could definitely win a Heisman. Um, you know, he's just that good. Mm-hmm. And for somebody who's, you know, I think once once that guy is transferring out, then they have a, fre- a really good freshman coming in. But mm-hmm. he's coming in later on in the in the year, in the summer, and, and you know, he's going to have a hard time trying to compete for that job. So um, it, it just seems like that's their system, bringing in these guys who, you know, have experience, are big-time players, and, and are there for one year and in, in and out. So I think that's what Lincoln Riley has going. So I definitely think it will hurt them. Um, when you talk about recruiting quarterbacks. And um, Jalen Hurts, I think, is probably the worst out of the three. Mm-hmm. If you talk about Kyler Murray and, and Baker Mayfield. And mm-hmm. the one thing that I'm worried about is they had a really good offensive line there already in place for Kyler Murray. So he had a lot of time to kind of sit back. And, and obviously he can use his feet. But that whole, I think they lost four starters on that offensive line now. So, you know, you're coming in. Questions at the offensive line. Are you going to be pressured? He does have a lot of receivers coming in, a lot of weapons coming in that you know um, are going to be returning and, and a pretty good defense. So obviously, I think it, it was his, in his best interest to go to Oklahoma. Um, so we're going to have to see how that goes. And he gets a shot at Alabama. So um, for J- Jalen Hurts, it was a no-brainer. But um, like you said, yeah, I mean, there's two sides to every story. So yeah, you're getting these guys coming in, and you're you're getting a rep to to bring in some high-profile names, but you're not you don't have that that farm system, I guess you can say where you're kind of building guys throughout the program, um, building those relationships and having that camaraderie to where, you know, you need when you're in these big games. You see Clemson having a good time. It's it's a family, you know. Um, Trevor Lawrence coming in and, and playing and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think it does hurt them overall. You talked about the backup transferring out, and Austin Kendall was granted his waiver yesterday. He moved on that pretty quickly, and he will be eligible to play immediately at West Virginia. How much pressure do you think is on Jalen Hurts to perform after Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray just won Heisman's at that school at that position? How much pressure is on Jalen Hurts to win at Oklahoma? I think there's tremendous uh, tremendous pressure for him to kind of step in there and continue things. When you talk about what the fans are used to, you know, they're probably thinking, here we go, another guy coming in. We're going to be right there in the title uh, talk, you know, as one of the best teams, Big Ten, Big 12 champions, I should say. Um, I think there is definitely tremendous pressure, obviously, People knowing he's coming from Alabama, he was playing in big games, he could play well. Um, I do think there's a lot of pressure. Um, but you got to give it to Jalen Hurts for wanting to go there mm-hmm. and, and taking on that challenge. Um, I think he's he's a winner. I think he has the talent to do it. I think he'll be fine. And uh, under Lincoln Riley, I do think he'll, he'll flourish. And I think Oklahoma is going to be right there in the talk again. Do I think they're... They could win a title with Jalen Hurts. I do think they could, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why he wanted to go there. Maybe, you know, he's like, okay, I'm following two Heisman winners. Um, yeah, they were really good. They weren't able to get it done. Maybe if I go there, mm. win a Heisman, get a, a national championship, I mean, that's pretty good cement for, for a college legacy. That's kind of tarnished um, when you talk about what his trajectory was um, early on in his career when he was there at Alabama. You, you thought he was going to win multiple championships there at Alabama. It just didn't turn out. I mean, he's already brought one team to the national championship, and he's got a chance to go to a program that was already in the college football playoff, and he's got a chance to lead them again. But you talk about some of those teams at the upper echelon. Obviously, it's Clemson and Bama's world right now. They're the top dogs. This moves Oklahoma a little bit closer, but, I mean, we have a lot to be decided this season if Oklahoma's really going to be one of those upper echelon teams. But I wonder how much consistency you feel if you're an Oklahoma player. Because all the talk right now is that Lincoln Riley could be off to the NFL in a year or two. And you talked about how that family structure they have at Clemson is so important for them. Nobody's talking about Dabo or Nick Saban going to the NFL. They know that they're staying put. And those guys love the systems that they have. And they truly have that family atmosphere, that vibe. You don't have that at Oklahoma because everyone knows Lincoln Riley's going to coach in the NFL someday. Only question is when. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, that goes back to the consistency thing. Um, you know, you're guaranteed a certain thing when you go to a Clemson and, and in Alabama. They are always, you know, I'm staying put, I'm committed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but Oklahoma's in a really good position because they're, they're one of those big-name schools that, you know, you could go there and there's not as much competition to play um, as a, a Clemson or an Alabama. You could go to Oklahoma and play as a freshman mm-hmm. um, and still play in really big games. 
Um, and like you said, I mean, for Oklahoma, bringing in Jalen Hurts, it does close that window a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of high on the, the Texas Longhorns, too. So, mm. um, you know, that rivalry, you always want to say put in that. Um, but, um, yeah, like you said, um, coming to a, a team like, you know, Oklahoma, there's just not, you know, that consistency. And when, like I said, when you're a young kid, you want to have, you want to have consistent and you want to have loyalty and, and that's what they sell kids on in, 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 in a future of, of winning a national championship. That's not there. And then Lincoln can be like, Hey, I got you. I got you. But do you really got me? I don't really know if you get a good job, get a good opportunity, are you just going to bail? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that that's definitely going to hurt obviously your career as a college player. Glad you brought up the Texas Longhorns because they made an absolute statement against Georgia in the sugar bowl. And I really thought, prior to Jalen Hurts transferring to the Sooners, it was going to come down to the Red River rivalry and probably round two in the Big 12 championship like we saw this year. Those two battling for a spot in the college football playoff. I really thought Tom Herman and Texas, and I still do, that they're on the rise, but I really thought that they had a realistic shot at the college football playoff next year. But right now, I think it's pretty safe to say Big 12 road runs through Norman, Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. It, it definitely does. When you talk about just who they have returning, that defense, um, they have just a, a lot of offensive you know, weapons at the receiver position and, and tight end position and, and things like that. And then when you get a guy who with, you know, who's played in big games, played well, um, I'm not saying anyone in, you know, on the Texas team isn't, isn't bad or anything, but you, know, you just got that leadership, a guy that's going to come in confident coming from Alabama, and, and, and just another guy, you, you know, everything's there. You, know, you got the coach, you got the culture. The winning culture, and you got guys who know know what it takes. So, um, yeah, I definitely think Oklahoma is going to be the favorite in that conference. Tell you what, before we go to our break, I want to do something fun. You ever watch that show, The Mass Singer? It's on tonight. You know, I haven't watched it. I've heard a little bit about it. I heard it's it's pretty good. Um, I haven't seen it personally, but um, it does look interesting. I've never seen it either. I know the premise of it. Antonio Brown was on it recently. And the premise basically is that you have these ridiculous masks on a singer performing on stage and later reveals themselves to the judges. So I thought we'd do something similar here in the sports pen. You know, it's playing tonight. I'm not going to watch it, but it's on there. Right. But I have three audio segments of a few sports personalities, but their voices have been altered. So here we go. Here's a few of the audio segments I got. I mean, what's the NBA without a little drama, you know, and, and, and for us, it's literally about growing, that's all, maturing as a group, maturing as individuals, and coming together in times like this, you know, it's great to see that we can still smile and still compete at a very high level and just the best, we just gotta become more consistent, and once that happens, and we run everybody. Any ideas? So I heard the NBA in the beginning, so yep. it's obviously an NBA player. Big win last night. Yep. And I think the word maturing kind of gives it away if you've been mm. following the NBA. Yep. Um, and you follow, you know, the Boston Celtics. I know we both are fans. Yep. Um, Kyrie Irving was in the the media saying, you know, a few days ago even, um, that the team has a lot of maturing to do. Mm. Um, you know, the team doesn't know how to win big games. They don't know, you know, what it takes basically to, to win the big games. Basically calling out his teammates saying he doesn't think they, they have the mental toughness or the will to, to win right now, those big games. So um, Kyrie Irving would be the one to say that. Very good. Very good. And they did get a big win last night and been doing his own maturing, made that phone call to LeBron. Here's how it actually sounds, or did sound last night. I mean, what's the NBA without a little drama, you know, and, and, and for us, it's literally about growing, that's all, maturing as a group, maturing as individuals and coming together in times like this, you know, it's great to see that we can still smile and still compete at a very high level and get the best, we just got to become more consistent, and once that happens, and we'll run over everybody in this league, I can guarantee it. So Kyrie's down, one for one, ready for number two? Yes, let's go. All right. Great spark. Like you said, we got a nice one. Excited for us to kind of get to the, that team that we want to be come playoff time. 
That one was a little bit more tricky. I, I could, uh, yeah, that one was a lot harder. Um, it was very quick. Obviously, I heard at the tail end, come playoff time, be yep. the team we want to be, come playoff time. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously not an NFL guy. No. I don't know if you'd do two basketball guys in a row. I would. You would do a two basketball. I bas- would do two basketball guys um, in a row. Who is that? That is uh, come playoff time. Somebody confident they're going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Make a run in the playoffs. Make a run in the playoffs. Was that Steph Curry? That was Steph Curry. Let's go. Two for two. All right. This one will be the big one. By the way, this is how the actual audio sounded. I mean, we're in a great spot. Like you said, we got a nice win streak. We got a tough road trip coming up. And we get Demarcus back on Friday. So uh, a lot of excitement, a lot to kind of focus in on and make that adjustment, implement him into the lineup. It's going to be fun. Uh, these last 30-whatever games are going to be uh, really exciting for us to kind of get to the, that team that we want to be come playoff time. This last one is an NFL head coach. And he's been in the news this week okay. for something that was kind of funny. He probably wishes he wasn't in the news for. Here's him talking about it at a recent press conference. I have Twitter and Instagram. I don't really care. Me. All over. That doesn't, it's irrelevant to me. To me, it's personal. I, mean, I really don't care. That's just, that's all right. I'm here to do one thing in the organization when. So all the other stuff is irrelevant to me. Any ideas? I have... I have the idea. I, I know this one just yes. because I've heard the press conference. This was actually really <laughs> funny, um, and I, I don't know if anyone out there got to see this. Obviously, it was a big topic on, on the national uh, scene, but that's Adam Gase, yep, New York Jets. New New York Jets head coach, that, that was Adam kind of fu- That was funny. Um, he became kind of like a meme just because mm-hmm. of the way he kind of looked a little – His he eyes. He had some crazy eyes going on in the press conference. I don't really know what it was all about. I didn't get to hear the whole thing, but I definitely heard uh, Stephen A. Smith and, and company talk about this. And, uh, yeah, it's probably a good thing he doesn't have a lot of that social media because he, he, he was uh, definitely the butt of the joke for a little while there. Adam Gaze, that was the first time in that press conference, was the first time I saw him without a hat. I thought he had more hair than that, to be honest with you. Yeah, normally, I swear. It, well, when I think of Adam Gase, I think of him on the sidelines with that Dolphins hat. Yeah. You know, kind of over his eyes a little bit. Maybe that's the reason. Yeah, but, could be. But, uh, yeah, that was that was kind of funny, just the way he was, he was looking. Or the way the cameras caught him. I didn't get to see the whole thing. I don't know if his eyes were like that the whole time. But those photos that we were getting, um, really good, really good photos. Either way, you went three for three. You're yes. our first ESPN-UP masked sports personality challenge winner. Let's go. I think I set the bar pretty high. After the shootout, you come back here and you do this. So, man, buy a lottery ticket on your way home. Hey, man, I'm actually, that's a good idea. I might just do it. You've seen a lot of lottery winners coming yes. in the state, you know, so... You know, if I, if hey, I promise if I do win the lottery, I'll still come back every Thursday <laughs> and, and do the show with you. You better. Uh, we are up against a break, hitting the bottom of the hour. Coming up, I believe Leonard Fournette's days in Jacksonville are numbered. And I'll tell you why I believe he could absolutely be in a Green Bay Packer uniform next season. That's coming up in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you, hitting the bottom of the hour, just about ready to end the workday. But first, here's your Sports Center update. The Los Angeles Angels and the city of Anaheim have agreed to a deal that will keep the team at Angel Stadium through 2020. The Detroit Red Wings are listening to offers for Gustav Nyquist and goaltender Jimmy Howard, but only if they'll receive a first-round draft pick. And finally, Gladys Knight has been selected to perform the National Anthem at Super Bowl 53 next month in Atlanta. It's a pretty good musical lineup for the Super Bowl coming up. They get Gladys Knight, then at halftime, Maroon 5, Travis Scott, and Big Boy, who's an Atlanta native. Oh, yeah. You know, Jim Nance's favorite to work out to. Jim Nance is calling the game with Tony Romo. For sure. Um, you know, a little bit of everything for, for everyone, no matter, you know, I guess if you're, you're uh, I guess Maroon 5 is pop band. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're, you like that type of music, Travis Scott obviously is a huge name in the hip-hop world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got to bring in a legend. It's Atlanta. I yep. mean, um, that's the culture there. And, and you know, they've they got that, that hip-hop scene down. So, um I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. Obviously, the Super Bowl is, is great. The halftime shows are are pretty good, and I think that's just a, a nice little mix. You know, you have a 
got a nice little band with some some good music and then uh, you know maybe not the older people might not understand the Travis Scott thing I totally understand it you know he's he's kind of wild I'm mm -hmm. sure he's going to definitely bring the energy um so it's going to be fun you know that big boy has a second instagram and all it is is him cooking you know he's a chef like in his spare time I guess what have you when he's not out there making music he has his own instagram of him just cooking you know what? I actually did kind of know he was into cooking mm -hmm. just because, you know, I watch a lot of, like, cooking things. Mm. And, um, you know, there's a, a series on YouTube uh, with Vice. And it, it, uh, Big Boy was a, was a host for one of them. And he was touring the restaurants in Atlanta and cooking and things like that. So I knew he had, like, a passion for it. So it definitely doesn't surprise me that he has that second Instagram. His real name is Antoine, but his cooking Instagram, should we call it, is Chef Tuan Tuan. So Tuan Tuan. you want to look up. <laughs> has a ring to it. it. It has a ring to it. I mean, multi-talented guy. Good for him. Be mm -hmm. able to cook and perform at halftime of Super Bowl 53. Well, Leonard Fournette, I said yesterday, that was kind of our centerpiece here in the sports pen. I believe Leonard Fournette's days are numbered down in Jacksonville. It all started yesterday with the hiring of John Filippo as the new offensive coordinator. The Jaguars and the Vikings the last few years have run similar schemes where they want to ground and pound you, control time of possession, and put a strong rested defense on the field. The Vikings didn't do that uh, this year with a pass-heavy coordinator in Filippo, and he ended up being fired. So Tom Coughlin, who was not happy with Fournette for the way he acted on the sidelines in Week 17, decides to hire Filippo after he just got fired by a team that runs a similar scheme. Why? It makes me think changes are coming in Jacksonville and that Leonard Fournette is not part of the team's long-term future. We all kind of knew Blake Bortles wasn't going to be, and I get the feeling Leonard Fournette won't be either, and that Jacksonville's looking at becoming a pass-heavy air raid team. So where does Leonard Fournette go? Where would he go on the move? I think it's a real possibility he makes his way to Green Bay next year. I can totally see the Packers going out and making a move if Leonard Fournette is on the market. And I really think that's possible because they are in a situation where they want to win now. Matt LaFleur is going to want to win now. If he doesn't, he might be out of a job because people will say he's wasting Aaron Rodgers' last few years in his prime. The front office wants to win while Aaron Rodgers is still there. Nothing against Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. But you have the chance to get Leonard Fournette. Pair him in the backfield with Rodgers, plus get a pretty good receiving core. Could have a pretty good offense next season in Green Bay. Right. Um, definitely think that that could be something that could happen um, as a Packer fan. I know Packer fans out there, we always get our hopes up. These free agents and, and possibilities of coming to Green Bay. And, you know, how great would that, that be pairing up with Aaron Rodgers and mm -hmm. things like that. But it never seems to happen. But you're right. Uh, you got a, a rookie head coach who's... Um, you know, put into a, a very high-pressured situation because, you know, the, he doesn't really have many years to, to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, you got to win now. Um, Aaron Rodgers um, can turn very quickly, especially if you're, he's losing. So um, you want to keep that relationship going. And I, obviously the front office, off at, office excuse me, has been feeling a lot of pressure over the past several years, um, you know, obviously saying they're wasting Aaron Rodgers and not making enough moves, and they really haven't. Um, and you got Brian Gutekunst saying, you know, he's going to be very aggressive in free agency, like you said last year. Mm -hmm. um, still waiting to see it. Um, but I do think they need to bring in, you know, obviously they can draft. They got two first round draft picks, but you got to fill some of these, you know, they have so many holes and so many depth issues. You need to fill some of these, these, these holes with, with some veterans, you know, that, that know what they're doing and, and that, you know, like you said, can win right away rather than waiting the two, three years you need to develop. Um, Nathaniel Hackett coming over is, is definitely a huge plus. Former Jacksonville uh, guy. Former Jacksonville guy. Probably knows Leonard very well. Um, and, uh, you know, you have that connection there. So um, it, it's it's difficult. I, I do think the running back position is, is better better off than some of the definite, you know, pressing needs on defense and things like that. You know, I think Aaron Jones is a really good back. I think Jamal Williams does run hard. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it's it's Leonard Fournette when healthy. You know, in 2017 when, when Jacksonville went on that run and almost made it to the Super Bowl, Leonard Fournette was a big part of that season. Injuries have taken his toll and things like that. But, um, you know, if, if he's healthy and he's behind Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that's that's crazy. You know, I was thinking Le'Veon Bell as well, you mm -hmm. know, a guy like that. He's, I don't think he's a Le'Veon Bell. But he's right underneath him, you know, when it comes to, to just how good he can be. 
So I think, yeah, that'd be definitely dangerous, and it would be a big move. You know, Packer fans want to see a move. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for a move, man. I'm waiting for a big name to come over um, and, and and really, like, show us as fans that you're really actually trying to win now. I think it would make a lot of sense that Fournette comes over, pairs up with his old offensive coordinator. He'd fit very well into a spread offensive system, which LaFleur seems to prefer, something he would be comfortable with. You can spread them out have a one-man backfield with Rodgers under center, and when that one man in the backfield is Leonard Fournette, you're in a pretty good spot to have a dynamic offense. And I agree with you, the defense is where they need to upgrade more than the offense, but being that they've just made so many offensive hires, I feel like that's where the focus is going for the Packers. So whether it's right or not, if they make a splash, I see it coming on the offensive end more than I do on defense. Right, I do think they're going to take one of those first-round picks and get get some pass rush, whether it be... You know, a defensive end with the first with that pick, that early pick, or you know, a linebacker. I really like Devin Smith out of LSU. Uh, I see Brian Burns out of Florida State's a guy that that could be there. Uh, Rashawn Gary's there from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any any of those type of guys. So I think that's going to be a focus in the draft. But it would be nice to see them kind of grab, a, like I said, a vet to come in and kind of just instantly fill a hole, and and you kind of know what you're getting, um, rather than you know draft and develop. You think about Leonard Fournette and what he brings to the table. Now, two years ago when he was healthy throughout the season, you saw what he did to Jacksonville to change the shape of that team. Last year, a whole different story. You mentioned those two firsts, the two first-round draft picks. Is Leonard Fournette worth two firsts? Would you make that move if you were Brian Gutekunst? He's he's right there. He's right there, but I mean, I wouldn't do it. I just, I wouldn't do it just because, you know, I do have a nice one-two punch already back there. Mm -hmm. Um... And you could even argue, you know, you could grab somebody else, a free agent that could help you back there, you know, that you could find a guy in the draft that could be just as productive. I don't know if it's he's worth the first. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if they really needed somebody back there, he would be worth it. But, you know, I think if you needed to keep Jones and Williams back there, I think they could do just fine um, just because, of the, like I said, thunder and lightning there. And then, you know, you take both of those draft picks, and I think you draft heavy on defense, both both picks. And I think right there, you got your defense going, and then obviously your offense um, is going to be there with Aaron Rodgers leading the way. We're speculating on a running back who we don't even know if he's leaving Jacksonville. This is all speculation right now, but I know the front office isn't happy with him. His offensive coordinator was fired, and they just hired a new offensive coordinator who is a pass-heavy guy, doesn't care a whole lot for the run. So if Dalvin Cook has had anything to say to Leonard Fournette, it's probably like, you're not going to get the touches that you want. So I wonder if there is a future in Jacksonville. We're all This is only speculation right now. Mm-hmm. We have no idea. But if Leonard Fournette's time is done in Jacksonville, even if it's not this year and it's a two-year thing, where's some places that he could go? Like, is Pittsburgh a viable option? I know James Conner has stepped up, but is James Conner an upgrade or would Leonard Fournette be? Who would you rather have? Honestly, I'd rather – I just I think I'd rather have – I mean, they both have been injured. They both can run, obviously, when healthy. I think I would, I would take James Conner over mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette. I could see him going to, like, you know – Wherever Le'Veon Bell doesn't go, he yeah. could go to New York, uh, the Jets. Mm-hmm. He could go over to Indy. Um, you know, maybe um, a team like, you know, Kansas City might try to swoop him up just because obviously losing Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, New England's always an option. <laughs> They'll Seems get him like for a, a fifth round pick. You know what I mean? He could he could go down to I don't know Miami. You know, there's a lot of places that could really use a, a decent running back, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, the, there's definitely going to be suitors for him. I've just got my conspiracy theory hat on. I don't know that it's going right, to happen. Right, yeah, but, obviously. But Leonard Fournette, I can very well see his time in Jacksonville coming to an end. We'll take our last break. Coming up, this quarterback draft class is going to produce the heir to Tom Brady's throne. But it's not Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, or even Will Greer. His name is coming up next in the sports pen. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Thanks for hanging out with us as we wind down to the 5 o'clock hour here on ESPN-UP. 
I can't wait for this year's NFL draft. I'm so excited for April to see where all these guys are going, to see what Kyler Murray's going to do, who Cliff Kingsbury's going to take number one overall, where Dwayne Haskins is going to fall. Maybe the Giants use their number six overall pick for him. That's what I would predict. But I'm also predicting that the Patriots are going to take a quarterback in the first round of this year's draft. I believe that there's a quarterback who's flown under the radar. So much hype was put on last year's quarterback class. Did they live up to it? It's debatable. This year's class, though, I think there's a lot of talent. And a lot of it is being slept on. There's a quarterback out there that he's put up impressive numbers, just hasn't been recognized for it. I believe Daniel Jones from Duke has a real shot at taking over Tom Brady's throne when it's finally time for him to retire and call it quits that Daniel Jones from Duke could be the guy that steps into Tom Brady's spot and he leads the Patriots in the near future. He fits well into that system, at least the style that he plays does. This season, he played in 11 games, completed 61% of his passes for 2,674 yards, 22 touchdowns to 9 interceptions. He'd be a good enough guy that he could fit well into that system. I just get the feeling he'll be similar to what Lamar Jackson was. He'll go late, but he'll end up being a guy who can pay big dividends. Maybe not right away, but in the near future. Yeah, I mean, um, very productive at Duke. Obviously not a, not a school known for other football. Um, they've gotten better over the years, but mm-hmm. um, seems to have all the physical tools, very productive. Um, just kind of seems like one of those guys that the Patriots will have kind of a, a one-up on and, and just know something about, you know, very well could see him come into New England. You know, obviously not a guy that will jump right on the field in a good situation for the next year or so. I don't know how long Tom Brady is going to keep trucking, but mm-hmm. um, definitely seems like it, it, he would be a fit um, and be one of those, you know, later round guys that, that New England seems to be good at just figuring out and finding um, those hidden gems. You know, he definitely has everything you'd want in a quarterback. Um you know, this this year it's not great for quarterbacks. I'm not even high, really. You know, I, I do like Kyler Murray. I think mm-hmm. he'll be a game changer. Um, Dwayne Haskins, I don't really know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when you talk about after those two, I think there's a big drop-off. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, New England could very well find somebody, I think, definitely pressing that they do um, now that Jimmy Garoppolo's out of there. That's been the biggest concern that people have had with the Patriots and continuing their dynasty in the near future. There are a lot of people out there who still think Tom Brady is a system quarterback. Is he? Is he not? I don't know. That's a whole different debate. But no doubt that he's benefited from having Bill Belichick as his head coach. He's benefited immensely. But he's not ageless, we think. He hasn't really shown age yet, but at some point, you got to know this isn't going to go on forever. And they let Jimmy Garoppolo go because they couldn't hang on to both him and Tom Brady, even though Garoppolo had... A longer career, longer lifespan left than Tom Brady did. They wondered if, you know, maybe he would be able to fit into Belichick's system right away and be effective. Either way, they weren't going to part with a guy as successful as Tom Brady. So now they've got Brian Hoyer backing him up. And he's not the guy that you're going to put your multi-Super Bowl franchise in the hands of. Daniel Jones could be, though. And if he gets a few years to play behind Tom Brady, kind of do what Pat Mahomes did with Alex Smith. A lot of people weren't too excited over Patrick Mahomes in the draft either. But I really think Daniel Jones could end up being that guy that learns under Tom Brady for the next two to three years. And when Tom's finally ready to hang it up, then he could be the guy that steps in and is effective. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I, I feel like that's the best way to go when you groom your quarterbacks a couple of years and then have them kind of, you know, um, learn the system a little bit and have time to kind of get acclimated to the game and, and just how things work and even the daily day-to-day things of being a professional. I think that could be overwhelming for, for young guys who have to step in and, and actually play. And um, you always see guys coming in, playing poorly and losing that confidence. So I think the trajectory is definitely a little bit more positive when you let the guy sit behind a, a great quarterback like, like a Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or, or you know, Pat Mahomes sat and, and learned from um, um, Alex Smith and, and company. So um, obviously Brian Hoyer, we know what he is. He's a career backup. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's able to you know kind of put a bandaid over a situation and play. 
Um, but you want a guy in there that you can kind of sell as, as potentially being really good, um, just for fan's sake and things like that. Obviously, New England was put in a really tough position where um, Garoppolo was ready to play faster than they had hoped, and, and Tom Brady was not ready to hang it up faster mm-hmm. than they had hoped. So, um, And you, could, you couldn't really do Tom Brady like that and just be no. like, sorry, uh, we're going to have to trade you. Um, you know, they, they were put in a tough position, and Bill Belichick obviously um, was like, all right, got to do something. Garoppolo is – I mean, the, the – the, the word is still out on Garoppolo. He's really good when healthy. Obviously, he had that stint there with the same Fran so far, but he's injured, so um, we still don't really know. But Daniel Jones could be the next Garoppolo. You know what I mean? That's a guy who has came from a smaller school, smaller than Duke, and and they were able to kind of fish him out and, and find a really good player. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Talking about quarterbacks in this year's draft, Kyler Murray. I, re- I really think he's going to go number one overall if he declares to do football. I really do, but I don't think he would if it was a team other than the Arizona Cardinals drafting at number one. But the Cardinals, I feel like, will take a chance on Kyler Murray. If he's even like three inches taller, we're not having this conversation. But the problem is he's about 5'9", 5'10". And that concerns a lot of general managers. But Cliff Kingsbury was such an unusual hire. A losing record in college. And then they give him an NFL head coaching job. Not even a coordinator job, but... He is a head coach, and right now they have the number one overall pick. Maybe there's stuff you can do with Josh Rosen. Kingsbury had a few years with Rosen. He might bring out the best of him. He's given us every reason to think he would. But Kingsbury doesn't have a few years because of how unusual of a hire he was. You know that general manager's not going anywhere, that Stephen Kime. Everything that's happened there, he's had his legal issues. He uh, has not drafted well, and... He's such good friends with the ownership. They are so close that they've made it clear he won't be uh, held responsible for any problem. It's all going to fall on Kingsbury. So if he doesn't win right away, he's probably out. And I think Kyler Murray gives him a better shot to do that than Josh Rosen does. Rosen might be a project, but Kingsbury doesn't have time for a project. And that's why I think they will take a chance and go on Kyler Murray at number one overall. Right. I mean, sometimes you got to do something crazy to have, you know, bigger results. And I think bringing in Kyler Murray, who's an X factor, obviously, and and could really, um, you know, kind of push that that uh, Cardinals team to uh, to higher levels. Um, I saw Josh Rosen play Green Bay this season. Uh, the Cardinals had no reason winning that game in Lambeau, rainy, wet. And Josh Rosen played really good. I was really impressed. Honestly, didn't even realize it was Josh Rosen for half the game <laughs> until all of a sudden I was like, who is this guy out here? Like, wh- who is this quarterback? And I was like, oh, yeah, they did draft Josh Rosen. Um, obviously, his personality is a little quirky and kind of rubs people the wrong way. And, mm-hmm. and you wonder if Cliff Kingsbury wants to deal with that. But, I mean, he still is, is a young guy who's shown potential. If they could get something for him, like a draft pick or something, and and, and obviously take that that, that – Kyler Murray pick, who obviously Cliff Kingsbury is high on, I could see that. And and as a coach, you want your guy in there. Mm-hmm. And if that's your guy, you, and you have a chance to get him, then you get him right away. Because finding a quarterback is very hard. You don't want to be stuck on a franchise who can't seem to find the quarterback, or it takes multiple years. You know, like uh, like kind of like New the New York Giants have been. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously they've had Eli, but um, Nick Bose is there. He's a clear cut. Obviously huge. Huge pass rusher, you know, you could get him and ensure up that defense for the next so many years, or you could go that offense route, get Kyler Murray, who who's, has a really good potential, like a really high, really high potential, but he could also be a big bust, mm-hmm. and uh, that could also that could you know that first pick could really determine your career already right out the gate without even playing a single game. So big chance there. Well, you brought up a great point where the coach is going to want his guy and Kingsbury wasn't part of the team that drafted Josh Rosen. He could be part of the team that drafts Kyler Murray and I know he likes Kyler Murray quite a bit. Nick Bose is the number one overall player in this draft but Kingsbury, if he has any say in the draft process, he's going to draft to play to his strengths, which is offense so Bosa could slip, quote unquote, down to number two That'd make Oakland fans pretty happy if John Gruden was willing to pull the trigger. But you also talked about what they could potentially get for Josh Rosen if he was indeed to be made the backup. They took Josh Rosen number 10 overall last year, which means he'd already been passed on by a few other teams. He looked like he had potential at times last year, but wasn't overly impressive. And that might have been a product of being on the Arizona Cardinals. What do you think you can realistically get for a guy like Josh Rosen? Like, could you get a second-round pick for him? 
I, I think that would be the the ceiling yeah. for sure. Um, because I mean, he's shown he could play in the NFL. I mean, mm-hmm. um, whether it be a backup or starter, I think you know he's had flashes and and things like that. Um, I think you know a team who who you know has a as a pick to spend. I, I don't see why you wouldn't get a guy like Josh Rosen. He didn't show he was a complete bust. Um, you know, he, he's shown he could he could definitely play. And and um, like I said, quarterbacks are are you know a dime a dozen. So um, you want to grab somebody when you can and and. Um, yeah, I would definitely think about getting I, – I would do a second-round pick for Josh Rosen. Let's just put it that way. Last thing before I let you go, Nick Foles. Where is he going to play next year? Nick Foles. I could see him maybe like Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a team. Um, you know, a lot of teams, I guess. Um, maybe Denver might take yeah. a shot on him. They're always bringing in vets. Right. Um, Jacksonville. Oh, yeah, Jacksonville. Filippo. Uh, Jacksonville, for sure. They could reunite over there. Mm-hmm. If things keep going the way they are in Oakland, Washington. I wonder if Derek Carr is out. Washington, they were a team that you thought was probably just a quarterback away in the second half of the season. There might be some opportunities for Nick Bowles to play somewhere, but I've got to imagine there's at least eight teams he could start for right oh, yeah. now, couldn't he? Yeah, he's a, he's a, you know, a quarterback who won a Super Bowl. I mean, there's not a lot of guys that can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously they – the team failed this season. They were up fourteen nothing. Obviously, he made a couple bad decisions, but I mean, it's tough, you know. The, but he still played. He went to New Orleans. They played him very tough, and and he's still a guy that can make plays. And he 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 gets better under pressure. Mm-hmm. And you know, you gotta you gotta have a guy like that. So I would line up for him. He's done nothing for us to be doubting him, but yet those doubts are there. How will he fare in a 16-game regular season? And for me, that's the biggest question mark right now. He's come in and done really well. I just don't know if he can be the guy through a full 16-game season. I just feel like we would have seen it by now if he was. That's my only drawback with Nick Foles. Right, yeah. I mean, the sample size, you know, he doesn't have to go through that full season and the ups and downs of the season. He kind of just gets thrown into the big moments, and he's been lucky enough you know, lucky enough to perform. So um, that is that is the downside. Um, you know, can he do it for a full 16 games, be consistent? Um, and obviously he was on an Eagles team that was loaded and, and had weapons and really good defense. So it would have to be the right the right uh, situation as well. But um, I think he has, you know, all the, the abilities and things like that to where a team is going to take a chance and, and um, you know, see what, what he brings. Um, like I said, he's a Super Bowl champion, so that's that's huge on a resume. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette, our guest this afternoon. As always, appreciate you. Looking forward to talking again next week. Yeah, thanks for having me, man, and uh, uh, look forward to maybe having you on the Sports Zone again. Um, and this time, we won't do a little competition. Um, we'll talk a little basketball. Yeah, excited to see what competition you win by tomorrow. You need to be around me because you've done it the last couple of days and one contest both times. So. Right. Turn you over to the Will Kane Show on ESPN UP WZAM Ishpeming Marquette.